Hello and welcome to Empire Sports Talk. It is a great day to talk about sports. Today's a good day to go 1-0. Let's do it. I'm, I'm going to start a little differently. As you can see, I am decked out in the alma mater today, University of North Florida. And that is because the big news in Jacksonville this week is that Jaden Fielder, son of six-time All-Star Prince Fielder, has chosen to play college baseball at the University of North Florida. This is the biggest recruit that North Florida has ever gotten, and it is very exciting for the team that plays not 15 minutes from where I'm currently sitting. So, next college baseball season, Jaden Fielder, son of Prince Fielder, grandson of Cecil Fielder, will be suiting up for the North Florida Ospreys. And for those of you who may have raised eyebrows at that announcement, or maybe you're hearing it here first, but for those of you who've been like, if he's Prince Fielder's son, why is he going to North Florida? North Florida, especially in recent years, has become has has consistently churned out minor league talent with Brian Baker and Frank German being major league representatives, with Baker being a reliever on this last year's AL Best Baltimore Orioles squad. So North Florida has produced many great baseball players into professional baseball organizations in the past. So, and and I may sound a little biased here, it's, it's a great place to play a game, it's a great place to watch a game, and I spent many of my afternoons and evenings in college at Harmon Stadium here in Jacksonville. And I'm very excited for the future with Jaden Fielder wearing these colors. If you were paying attention to socials this week, I teased a topic where Shohei Otani was offered a one-year uh, $20.325 million qualifying offer from the Angels. And this is this is more of a um, formality. This is, what, this is what you do to free agents. And while it might seem incredibly obvious that he's not going to sign it, and I do believe that's the case, I do believe he won't sign it, I did tease on Twitter slash X earlier this week that I believe that it would be in Otani's best interest to sign that one-year qualifying offer for a very specific reason. It's not because I want to see him back with the Angels, although I do... I do like him with Mike Trout, and they just got a new manager. More on that in a second. But it's about... Otani showed at the end of last year that with his usage rate and basically having to carry that team on his back, he wore down, having to having to both pitch and hit, he wore down. Shohei Otani sustained an elbow injury at the end of last season that shut him down from pitching. He could still hit, but he obviously wasn't quite the same at the end of last year. That injury, he's had a procedure to, to fix it all up. He's on he's recovering now. He's but he's expected to play next year and pitch in 2025. So he's likely going to just hit next year and not be back to his two-way superstar self for another for another year. This is why I think that he should think about accepting the Angels' offer. Otani is getting ready to his free agent contract, probably still, likely still, but 
before the injury, his free agent contract was going to be the stuff of the legend. We had heard we had heard something in in the neighborhood of seven hundred million, which somebody said was too low, and we've never even seen a five hundred million dollar player. We we heard something in the range of seven hundred million for Otani. This was before the injury. Do I think the injury is going to turn him from a seven hundred million dollar contract to a three hundred million dollar contract? No, but Otani's mass appeal. He's he's great at both things. He's a great hitter and he's a great pitcher. But his mass appeal is the fact that he's great at both simultaneously. And so that's where the mania has come from. That is where the you have got to see what this guy is doing stems from. And if he's unable to pitch in 2024 and he's just he's just a hitter in 2020. We 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 don't know yet if that elbow injury is going to linger into next year. We don't know. There's a chance that teams could shortchange Shohei because of this injury concern. That 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 he could lose out on a on a few a few million or a few hundred million even because teams are worried about his elbow. And that is a legitimate concern. So the only reason why I say that Shohei Otani should consider the qualifying offer is so that he can make sure that his elbow is healthy, that he'll be able to hit at the level he wants to hit at, and that he can be ready to pitch in 2025 and get the full extent of what he deserves in the free agent market a year from now. I know that's probably not a popular opinion. People are like, oh, well, we've heard like 10, 10 years, 700 million. You're saying he should take 20 million now instead of, you know, 60, 60 million, 50 million, 60 million, 70 million next year. And Again, I say yes. We see all the time players gamble on themselves, take take one-year deals to prove that they still got it so that they can get a bigger deal the next year. We've seen that happen. This is obviously a different situation. Shohei Otani is like nothing we've ever seen. But I think I can speak for everyone in baseball that we want to keep seeing the things we've never seen and to make sure he's healthy to do to go two ways in 2025. I think that that going back with the Angels for one year on that 20.3 million dollar qualifying offer is a smart move because he said he wants to stay on the West Coast. He said he wants to do this, but he's not healthy. And like I said, there is a chance that teams look at that and try to get a slight discount on the greatest player that we've ever seen because oh, he's not fully healthy. He's only going to hit for us this year. He's, you know, we don't know how that elbow is going to react. There's a chance. So I'm saying for those few million, hundred million maybe, that Shohei might get shortchanged, get healthy. Go back to the Angels for one year. Reteam with Mike Trout. And that brings me to my next, next point. The Angels just hired Ron Washington as manager. Ron Washington is a, is, is a, a, a World Series manager. 
he he got the the Texas Rangers to back to back World Series. Unfortunately, he did not win, as I mentioned on the podcast last week when the Rangers won last week. He was the first person I thought of. Is that he he got teams so close, couldn't get over the hump, um, and he spent the last seven years as as a third base coach for the Atlanta Braves, and and he did win a ring with them in twenty twenty one. Anybody who knows baseball knows Wash and knows that he's one of the best coaches, yes, but best men in the game. Anybody that, that plays under him, loves him, the, the tributes from Braves, Braves players and fans alike have poured out for Wash, both congratulating him and saying how much they're going to miss him next season. But Ron Washington deserves this, and I think Ron Washington is a great fit for the Angels, I think the Angels have, have, in the last few years, had some knee-jerk reactions in an effort to keep Shohei Otani. And the first one of them that I thought was a huge mistake was firing Joe, Ma- Joe Madden. I thought when they had Joe Madden as manager, they had the right guy. They, they started the season off well in 2021. And because they knew that they were desperate to win now because of Shohei Otani at the first sign of trouble. I think it was like an eight, nine game losing streak early in the season. First sign of trouble, they bailed on Joe Madden, and that proved to be a huge mistake. The Angels are getting getting a second chance with Ron Washington, a manager with World Series experience, a manager who's, who has a ring as a valuable member of a coaching staff, a manager who is beloved by all players, and someone, if you know Wash, who is stringent about the fundamentals. He, he works tirelessly with his players in the field to improve their defense. He, he works tirelessly educating his players about the game. There aren't many people in this game that know more about it than Ron Washington because there aren't many people who have been around it as long as Ron Washington has. I think this year's Angels team is going to be different. They, they might not go make the big splashy moves this offseason, but I do think there is going to be a different vibe around this team. They're going to play harder. They're going to make less errors because in the last few years, the Angels have been near the bottom in fielding percentage in Major League Baseball. And as I said, Ron Washington is a stickler for fundamentals is a stickler for defense, and it could be a huge plus for the Angels. So that, so congratulations to Wash on, on getting another chance at managing at the major league level. I know we all wondered if that when it, when it was going to happen again. We knew it was going to because he deserved it, but when it was going to happen, that answer is now, and it's with the Angels. This is an, this is another reason for Shohei to consider playing, consider taking that qualifying offer and staying in Los Angeles for a year to see what happens. Because of how quickly the Joe Madden experiment ended, Shohei Otani has not had much experience playing under managers of this caliber. Ron Washington is the real deal. The Angels have found their guy. Hopefully they don't rush to judgment on him the same way they did on Joe Madden. But because of that injury... And I know I, it sounds ridiculous. I know that even if Shohei got discounted, even if 
that seven hundred million dollar deal went down to fifty five. Went went down to five fifty because of that injury, and it let's say for example ten years because that's the number I heard. Even if that seven hundred dollar seven hundred million dollar ten year contract goes down to five hundred and fifty, he's still making more than double what his qualifying offer would be. I get it, I understand. But would you rather take the fifty five now or? Take a very respectable 20, a very good 20. Get healthy and get your 70 next year. That is an honest would you rather because 55 million a year is still ridiculous. But that is my case for why I, I'm not saying it's an airtight case. I'm not even saying it's the right answer. But when injuries enter the equation, stories change. Shohei Otani will still get a record-breaking contract. There's no doubt about that. But any team that offers him that contract is taking a risk, however small, because he is still injured, and he's not going to be a two-way player for another year, likely. So I'm not saying it's the best argument. What I'm saying is that if Shohei Otani wants to get his full value, his full value, which is astronomical any way you look at it he should get it a year from now he should wait one year he should take a flyer on that qualifying offer get healthy with the angels and then the angels would have a second chance to maybe trade him maybe maybe they convince him to sign that qualifying offer by saying you sign this offer and we'll work with you on a trade because Shohei Otani cares about that organization he cares about the Angels, but his biggest concern is, can I win? And whether that answer is yes or no, he does care. And so this, this also would give the Angels another shot to say, you know, because, because they elected not to trade him at the deadline last year, and they got nothing. And if he walks out the door in a couple of weeks, they'll still get nothing, except I think a, a compensatory pick. But if they convince him, to sign that qualifying offer and stay with them one more year, A, he has a chance to get healthy and, and, and get his full value in free agency, and B, the Angels have another shot to get anything for him in the, at the trade deadline. Because if it comes down to the trade deadline and he is healthy and he's able to hit at the same level he has been, at, at an MVP level, if he's able to hit at an MVP level, there will be people trying to trade for his bat. And so the Angels could still get value from the bat. But Shohei Otani's value might be shortchanged, however slightly, if he signs elsewhere this offseason because he's injured. So take your flyer, sign the qualifier, play one year, see how it works out with Wash. I bet you it works out pretty good. And... Re regain your hitting form, get get your pitching elbow healthy, and maybe the Angels can work out a trade and, and finally get some value. You say you care about them, help them out. That's that's my pitch. I'm not saying it's the best one. That's what I think he should do. He hit, he is hurt. The injury might hurt his value ever so slightly. Even if it is a slight, it's still hurting his value. Get healthy. Get Get the value you deserve next year. That's where I think he should go. 
big news out of college football this week as we transition to football uh, after all the sign stealing scandal, how wh- whatever you feel about about the rule that caused it, I know I know I've said how I think. The NCAA and the Big Ten have handed, have finally handed down their decision, and their decision is to suspend Jim Harbaugh for the rest of the regular season, which spans three games, including today as this is being recorded. Jim Harbaugh is not allowed on the sidelines the rest of the regular season, which is a which is a very specific way to say not allowed on the sidelines, which means he's still allowed to be involved with team activities just as long as he's not on the field. The Michigan Wolverines, including today's game as this is being recorded, have Penn State, Maryland, and Ohio State. With the exception of Maryland, those are very those are very tough games. As far as a time in the season when you'd want to be suspended, it's not it's not now. But the suspension is very specifically the rest of the regular season. So if Michigan wins out, they will most definitely make the college football playoff. And that would be when Jim Harbaugh is allowed to return. I believe he would also be eligible to return for the Big Ten Championship as well. So it's just these last three games that Jim Harbaugh is suspended, bringing his total suspended games for the year up to six. I've said what I think about I think this all stems from the fact that college sports has shown in the last several years that they are unwilling to move with the times. And listen, I'm as big a traditionalist as they come when it comes to some things. I don't I don't love that the NFL changed the jersey number policy to allow players to wear zero and wear numbers that are outside of their traditional position stuff. I'm, I'm not a fan of the extra innings rule in baseball. I am a traditionalist when it comes to a lot of things. But when it comes to literally not keeping up with the times technologically and that kind of thing, that's what doesn't make sense to me. And Or, or keeping archaic rules for no reason. And that's something that the, that the NCAA has done in recent years. It wasn't until this current this current college basketball season that players were allowed to wear numbers on their jerseys higher than five. You could never wear a number six to nine um, on your jersey because of an old rule in the NCAA bylaws about the fact that there used to be no television cameras, there used to be no electronic monitors, there used to be no TVs. And so referees would have to make these substitution signals with their fingers, with their hands. And if you hold up like if if you hold up five fingers on one hand and one finger on another hand, that could be 15, that could be 6, that could be 51. So for that reason, for so long, even after the 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 inclusion of television cameras and simulcasting and and online streaming services to watch basically any game you want to, this this rule stayed intact until this year when they finally said, you know what, this rule doesn't make sense anymore. Wear whatever number you want. Um, as we know, Bronny James is wearing six with USC if he's if he's able to get healthy and play for them this year he'll be wearing 6 as many other players will be allowed to wear basically whatever number they want a lot of us know a lot of us older 
people in our 30s know Carmelo Anthony at Syracuse and in Denver for wearing the number 15. And then when he went to the Knicks, he wanted to go to number 7 because that was that was his preferred jersey number, but he couldn't wear it in college because of that rule. And so when he got drafted in the league, that's the number that America knew him as because they saw him on the collegiate stage. So he wore number 15. And so that that's an example that stems from that rule. So that rule is gone. So now the next rule that needs to go is that like the NFL, in the NFL, the, the captains on offense and defense have the green sticker on the back of their helmet that lets everybody know that they have a comm system in their helmet to communicate directly with coaches for calling plays and, and letting, letting you know the signals and coverages and that kind of thing. College football is not allowed to do that. And that is the basis of this entire scandal. If college athletes were allowed to communicate with their coaches via these comms, there would be no need for there would be no need for signal for external signals, which would mean there would be no need for the stealing of those signals. And if you've watched ESPN or any of the networks this week, those who have played both college and NFL football, those analysts will tell you that exact same thing. So this is another example. Look, Michigan broke the rule. They broke the rule. They deserve to be suspended, or they deserve to be punished. And if, based on what could have happened, this punishment is is pretty mild. We we knew that because we'd heard as much from the Big Ten. We've heard we we, we heard as much from the College Football Playoff Committee that the the punishment would only affect Jim Harbaugh as the head of the program. That it that the College Football Playoff Committee didn't consider it a a playoff issue. They considered it an NCAA issue. So so. If Michigan's record was unblemished at the end of the year, that's all that would matter to the playoff committee. So all things being considered, this was a fairly mild punishment. And I think the reason for that is, is because they knew they had to punish them because they did break a rule. But I think everybody realized that the rule was based on something that probably should be changed one way or another. Like, if, if college players can get paid like pro athletes they should be able to communicate with coaches like pro athletes give them comms and then there's no need for these then there's no need for these this sign stealing and this thing and and analysts now along with saying you know the differences in college and, and NFL have said that like oh when we were in college we did this it's what you did it's called it's called scouting so the sign stealing while it does break a rule is not I don't think it's as big a deal as, as, as we've made it out to be, but it, I think it would all go away. It would all be solved if the NCAA just kept up with the times, because that's, that's what this boils down to. Now, if I was Jim Harbaugh, there's been a lot of talk about his future. Is that it? Will this be his last year at Michigan? Uh, will he go back to the NFL? And prior to this suspension, I said no. He'll probably stay. At, he'll probably stay at Michigan. Uh, it's it's his dream job. He loves it. He's very happy. But let's look at this. This is now his second suspension in the same season for 
a pretty questionable rule. The, his first suspension revolved around a few things, but the thing that everybody latched onto was that he bought a kid a hamburger during a recruiting trip, a recruiting trip, which in the days of NIL, I'm not sure how that's a violation anymore, but whatever. But now that he's been suspended for the second time and will miss a total of six regular season games for Michigan, there's growing speculation that Jim Harbaugh is not pleased with all the red tape in the college game, and he may more heavily consider a return to the NFL, where he's already had success after this season. And a lot of his name has come up with certain teams like Chicago, where he played a portion of his career. Uh, it's come up with Arizona, maybe, if Gannon gets let go, and some other team. The job that I think he should jump at, provided it come open, and I believe that it should come open, is the Chargers job. The Chargers have a roster full of Pro Bowl caliber players, great players. Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Khalil Mack, just to name a few. One of the Bosa brothers, just to name a few. And we've seen over the last couple of years that the Chargers have not lived up to the expectations that we have of them because of Justin Herbert, including blowing a huge playoff lead to Jacksonville and the slow start this season. I think one of the issues, one of the reasons for those problems is head coach Brandon Staley. His play calling is stale. He looks overwhelmed by the full scope of what a head coach is. I said this last week last week with Josh McDaniels. Some coaches are coordinators. They're great coordinators, but being a head coach is a different animal, and that's fine. I don't think Brandon Staley, at this point in his career, is the right head coach. I think they've the, the Chargers have committed to, to Justin Herbert. They have Keenan Allen breaking, breaking records out here in, what is it, year, year 10, year 13 for him. The Chargers window is open now. And I don't know how long it'll stay open because because of Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson all on the AFC. So if I'm Jim Harbaugh and the Chargers job comes open, I'm running full steam ahead for Los Angeles because Jim Harbaugh has already had success at the NFL level. He turned Alex Smith who, at the time of Jim Harbaugh's arrival in San Francisco, was on the fringe of being talked about as one of the biggest NFL busts of all time. And and it showed you the importance of the right head coach. Alex Smith's first head coach in San Francisco was Mike Singletary, a great coach, a great player in in his time, but a defensive guy. And Jim Harbaugh comes in, a former quarterback, turns Alex Smith into the first overall pick that we remembered, and then Alex Smith went to Andy Reid and now is one of the the most accurate passers in terms of completion percentage in NFL history. It shows the importance of the right head coach. 
And if Jim Harbaugh could do that with Alex Smith, when Alex Smith was being talked about as a bust when Jim came in, give him to Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert, and I love Alex Smith, Justin Herbert is 10 times better than Alex Smith. But as we've seen, he hasn't been able to reach his full potential with Brandon Staley. If that Chargers job comes open, Jim Harbaugh needs to sprint to Los Angeles. Because I think if Jim Harbaugh takes that Chargers job and is paired with Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, and all the other weapons that they have, the Chargers become the favorites in the AFC West. Yes, ahead of the Kansas City Chiefs. So if I'm Jim Harbaugh, don't take the Bears job, don't take the Cardinals job or whatever top pick job comes open because those those teams still have a lot of work to do. Take the job where if you step in the role, you immediately become a Super Bowl contender, a Super Bowl favorite. The Chargers. So we will not see Jim Harbaugh on the field for the rest of Michigan's regular season. We'll see him back again for postseason play in what I think should be his final games as the Michigan head coach because then he should go back to the NFL with the Los Angeles Chargers. I've said my piece. Now let it be. Sticking with the NFL, the Carolina Panthers. We assumed that Bryce Young would be going into a better situation day one than C.J. Stroud would. We assumed it, but we didn't know. We weren't sure. And that turned out to be so much not the case. We realized, at least in my opinion, that D'Amico Ryans is building the next Detroit. He is the next Dan Campbell, the perfect coach for that franchise. They have so many great young weapons. Tank Dell, Nico Collins, of course C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson leading the defense. This Houston Texans team is for real. They're 4-4, four and four, and nobody expected that. C.J. Stroud is being talked about however, however much on the fringe as an MVP candidate, as a rookie. We're like We're not even talking about Rookie of the Year. He's runaway offensive Rookie of the Year, but he's being talked about as MVP. That's awesome. Bryce Young, on the other hand, the Panthers are 1-8. They're tied for the worst record in, in the NFL with the Arizona Cardinals, who are getting Kyler Murray back this week, so that could change. That being said, Carolina is careening towards the number one overall pick for the second straight season. Which brings up an interesting debate, and I want to hear from you guys in the comments and online what you think Carolina should do in this situation. Carolina is careening towards the number one overall pick. Right now they are they are on pace to have the number one pick overall again as Arizona will likely pick up a couple of wins with Kyler Murray and be out of the conversation. Uh, Chicago's win on Thursday kind of pulls them out of the conversation. So Carolina at 1-8 is staring a num- another number one overall pick in the face. They had a number one overall pick a year ago, this guy right here. And I don't think it was a bad pick. It's easy, to, it's easy to look now and say, Carolina made the wrong choice. 
they should have gone with C.J. Stroud because C.J. Stroud is having a much better season. C.J. Stroud is in a much better situation halfway through the year than Bryce Young is. Carolina has zero offensive line. They went out and they got Miles Sanders to hopefully be the workhorse in the backfield. He hasn't done anything. Chubba Hubbard's become the primary as far as yards, but but neither running back has set the world on fire. The receiving core outside of Adam Thielen is non-existent. Again, I feel like I need to restate it a second time. The offensive line is horrific. Probably the worst in the NFL, maybe except for the Giants because they just keep getting hurt, and it's just terrible. Anyway, the Panthers have nothing. Bryce Young is like their only weapon. They're like the, the no offensive line, no receiving core, a defense that is whatever, a free agent running back that forgot to show up. C.J. Stroud has all those things. So of course it's going to look like Carolina made the wrong choice because they're still 1-8. That's because their roster's terrible. But now, because of that, they are staring at a possible number one overall pick again. And this year comes Caleb Williams. Possibly. He's threatened to hold out and go back to USC if he doesn't get one of the one of the teams he wants, and Carolina's not on that list. But Carolina would be faced with a choice. Caleb Williams or Bryce Young. Caleb Williams is being called can't miss, prospect of the century. One insider said that if Caleb Williams was in the draft with Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow, he'd still be number one. So that's where the issue is for Carolina. You're faced with number one. You got Caleb Williams on the board. You got Bryce Young at home. What do you do? There's a number of things you could do. You could draft Caleb Williams because if he can't miss, you don't want to miss. When when you're already being told, however unfairly, that you made the wrong choice with Bryce Young, you didn't. He doesn't have a chance. Bryce Young doesn't have a chance right now. You didn't make the wrong choice. But you could you could try to remedy that and get Caleb Williams and trade Bryce Young for assets, whether it be on the field pieces or draft picks, to help Caleb Williams. You could stick with Bryce Young because you realize that you're not giving him much to work with and get him stuff to work with. So you stick with Bryce Young and you either shock the world and take Marvin Williams Jr. at number one because you don't need the quarterback. Or, and this is this is the camp I fall into, they hang on to Bryce Young, they trade back to the number two pick and hopefully grab a couple of extra good draft picks in the process. They let Arizona or Chicago or whoever they trade the pick with take Caleb Williams. Then they still get Marvin Williams Jr. and use all the rest of those draft picks to get offensive linemen, defensive linemen, all the weapons they currently don't have. Ask Andrew Luck. Ask Joe Burrow. 
the importance of an offensive line to even be decent. Joe Burrow missed his rookie season. Andrew Luck was forced into an early retirement because of terrible offensive line play. Offensive line is the most important thing in football, especially if you invest a lot in your quarterback, and the Panthers already have. So what I would do if I were was Carolina, I think Frank Reich is a good coach. I think Bryce Young is really, really smart and is a great choice to play quarterback. And honestly, this is my honest take. And all the noise we've heard from Caleb Williams about, I only want to play for this team, and I want an ownership stake in the team that drafts me. I think Bryce Young has a better head on his shoulders to handle the big stage than Caleb Williams does. That's not about ability. That's about up here. And so I think Bryce Young is the guy. But I think Carolina needs a lot more than Bryce Young. So trade that first pick. Take Marvin Williams Jr. with the second pick. And then fill that red, the rest of that draft card with, with linemen. Offensive, defensive. Go, go make acquisitions in the offseason. Build a fortress around Bryce Young going into year two. And then give him Marvin Williams. Or sorry, give him, give him Marvin Harrison Jr. to throw to. That's what I think they should do because right now it's looking like they're going to be faced with the choice with the choice of a lifetime, Bryce Young or Caleb Williams. I'm saying don't bail on Bryce Young because the rest of the roster is garbage. That's not fair. That's not fair to Panthers fans or to Bryce. Those are my two cents. Moving on to we're gonna we're we're gonna finish things up with the NBA. I've talked a lot about James Harden on this podcast in recent weeks and for good reason he makes a lot of noise he finally got his trade blah 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 blah. but what I want to talk about specifically in the NBA right now is his former team for the first time in years and I'm not just talking about Harden for the first time in years Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia 76ers are playing free they're loose. They're having fun. And it's showing. They're 7-1, and one, best record in the Eastern Conference. They just defeated the Boston Celtics. Maxi and Embiid combined for like 62 points. The Sixers wanted to see Maxi take, take a step forward into a number two role, but he couldn't really do that as long as James Harden was in the wake. He's done that. He's leading the team in assists at 7.5 per game for the first eight. Jo- Joel Embiid's averaging 32 points. A game in the first eight. This is this is a, this is the Sixers team that the fans have been waiting for all throughout the process. The thing about Joel Embiid, the the Sixers find themselves in a situation similar to the Angels and Shohei Otani, where it's like if they don't put up, Joel Embiid might move on, and the Sixers made their choice for the future a long time ago. When it was between Embiid and Simmons, they chose Embiid. That was the right choice. But Embiid has never played in Philadelphia without controversy. He went straight from Ben Simmons to James Harden. This is really the first time in Joel Embiid's career where he they could just go out and play. That team could just go out and play. Him and Maxi and Tobias Harris 
and the rest of that team are playing free for the first time in years. Because, unfortunately for Philadelphia, the Sixers and that fan base, they've been shrouded in controversy because of these problematic superstars that think they're all that when they're not putting in the work. So, I'm, I, I'm, I'm happy for the Sixers that Joel Embiid and the team can finally move on from the chaos that was Ben Simmons and the chaos that was James Harden. They're finally free from all of that mess, and it shows. 7-1, and one, top in the, tops in the Eastern Conference, playing as well as they are. And I'm, I'm super excited for the future of that franchise. I'm excited to see if Maxi can indeed take that step forward and be that true star number two. And maybe let's, I think it'd be an interesting time to see if, if Philadelphia goes out and, and, and fills out that roster with one more, maybe, maybe, maybe not superstar, but one more solid, solid piece to solidify like, oh, we can make a run. Maybe, maybe you go and get another shooter. Maybe you go and get, you know, the, the name that, for whatever reason, pops into my head is, is, is Buddy Heald. I don't know why. But go get somebody of his caliber. And I would say maybe, maybe somebody like Therese Halliburton. But Indy is actually playing really, really well to start the year. It's, it's surprising a lot of people. They've won, I think, three in a row. So maybe not him. But maybe go get one more piece to pair with Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris. And I love that they hired Nick Nurse. Maybe James Harden didn't love it. I love it. I love what he did with the Raptors in, in 2019. I love that he won Coach of the Year. And yet people might say, oh, that title was all Kawhi. Nick Nurse is a good coach. And I think with the freedom of being without Harden, and Nick Nurse and Joel being healthy and Tyrese being allowed to take a step forward. We're seeing a new era in 76ers basketball that may finally, for the first time since the turn of the century, get them to the NBA Finals. A lot of that will depend on health, but we'll see. That's all I have for you today on Empire Sports Talk. This has been a great episode. I'm so happy I get to do this show. Thank you for those of you who listen and support the show. If you will, please like and subscribe. Follow us on YouTube. Uh, we are really, really trying to grow this into something bigger, and we need your help to do it. For Empire Sports Talk, I am your host, Roman Janeiro. I'll see you next time.